Hello, hello, and welcome to The Coach's Corner, brought to you by The Endurance Lab, where you can join the coaches live and unscripted as they recap the week and answer your questions from the forum. My name's Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches, and I'm joined by everybody. Everyone's here today. Taya Friedstead up, the, up on the top, Ian Murray down there sitting on the floor, Mitch Dingerman with the glasses ready for work, and our, our nutritional therapist, Andrea Cullen, up on the top right. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Hey, good morning. morning. All right, exciting, exciting. So just a reminder to everybody watching and listening that we are on we are on live on several different platforms. So what you hear again is what you get. It's raw, unedited commentary from our coaches. This is also gives you a chance to be part of the show by asking your questions. So jump on live and be part of the show now. So all right, let me make sure this gets all shared out. Um, but let's jump straight into the topics today. Um, we're going to go straight over to Coach Mitch. And there's been a lot of talk, you know, with a little bit of time off, uh, recovery time, kind of transition time, depending on where you are at in the season. Um, it may be a chance to uh, take a look at the pain cave and get an idea of uh, what you want to add for this next season. So just like we uh, spend time to see what kind of equipment we want, new wheels, new kits, that sort of thing for the next year. Um, I've got a little bit of information coming from uh, um, uh, today from a couple sites that talk about what, how you might want to update your, uh, your pain cave. So Mitch, what have we got for us today? Yeah, so I mean... I just actually went through this because I, I kind of lost my whole basement for a number of months as we were doing some work on the house and, and I got a chance to put my pain cave back together again. Um, but before we get into it, I mean, I was thinking back in my history, I was thinking, when did I get my current trainer, which is a current kinetic, which I think I got back in 2008. But then I remembered when I was in high school, I actually had a stationary trainer. I hooked my old uh, Bianchi on. Nice. So I want to ask you guys, what was your first trainer? Do you guys remember, was, was it a smart trainer? Have you been using trainers for a long time? Or what was your first trainer, Ian? Mine was a Manura Mag 850. Wow, okay. Wee, 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 wee. It was, it was, <laughs> um, and it had the adjustable three or four levels of resistance. Yep, yep. And I had the, the wired cable, it would come out, I'd put it on my handlebar, and I would be hammering away, and all of a sudden I'd accidentally bump it or bump the cable, and it would go from like a, a one to a four or a <laughs> nice. two lock up. It was awesome. What about you, Ted? The Cyclops Comfy Trainer. Okay. The one that, yeah, with Ooh, the wheel on. Cool. And Andrea? I think the one that Ian's talking about, I don't know the name of it because I was it was an old one from Garen, but yeah, I had that the, the dial. And I, I didn't train. Oh, I hated it. So those training sessions were really poor quality until I got a smart trainer where and Zwift where you step yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, I had a, Jason, what about you? Yeah, I had a super cheap. Um, it was like ninety nine, hundred twenty dollar performance uh, fluid trainer. <laughs> it had a flywheel like uh, the size of your fist, so like this big. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went to a Kurt Kinetic, and then uh, now my uh, Cyclops uh, hammer. Yeah, I mean, my first one must have been like in 1988 or something. And I think I had the cable to do the resistance. And I mean, I, we didn't even have cable TV because we were too cheap to get it. So I had like the three channels in the basement. And all I remember is I would, I would go as hard as I could. And I, I used to get my heart rate up to like 214 or something Whoa. like that. And that was like my goal. I was like at the end of the workout, how high can I get my heart rate up? Which was, you know, I don't, I, there was no training. I mean, no science. <laughs> it was just pedal and see what the hell you could do. Um, but then my next trainer, I think I got in 2008 when I started getting into triathlon. 
and there was no pain cave. It was, I think, in my family room of the house, and I would set it up on a rubber mat, and I would do some workouts kind of just based off of intensity. And then, obviously, you know, everything evolves over time, and now there's all the smart trainers, mm-hmm. and everyone's getting dedicated spaces. So yeah. really that brings us to the topic, which is, is your pain cave. And it's a good time of year to, you know, as Jason was saying, take a step back, look what you got, and, and kind of evaluate. So the first thing from, and this, a lot of this came from trainwright.com. So one of the first things that you want to do is you want to claim your space. Look at where your pain cave is right now. Make sure it's appropriate. Make sure it's a space that you can call your own and you can keep your stuff in place. If you've got to set up your trainer and your bike every day, it's just one more thing you've got to do, one more chance that the workout's not going to happen. So make sure it's a place where you can just have your trainer dedicated, set up, everything in place so you can just get on the bike and you can work out. Next thing make sure if you possible you are using the bike that you're going to ride outdoors right the fit is going to be right the seat's going to be the same um the gearing everything's going to be as similar as possible what you're doing outside so um you know i have my <coughs> road bike set up here and then as i get into the triathlon season i'll switch back and forth between my time trial bike but they're both here and they're both easy to move back and forth so could i add a comment there yeah um and i switched microphones i hope this is okay can you hear me okay? okay. Yeah. The, uh, if you have a uh, carbon bike and um, you put it on a trainer, you should just look at the warranty um, on your bike because some manufacturers specifically say they will not cover anything, any damage if you use your bike on a trainer. Now, there is that's a whole new topic, and I won't get into this right now, and I'll post links to the discussion of can yeah. put it, you know, can can the trainer damage your bike and it goes with the type of trainer, et cetera. I'll post that in the link to the comments for the podcast, but just something to keep in mind. So Mitch, I have a question for you. Does that come pre-crashed or? Which one, <laughs> the, uh, the titanium bike? The bike? Uh, yeah, it, 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 in my case, yeah. Actually, I don't think I've crashed the time trial bike. I've, I've crashed the road bike a couple of times. Um, all, all my own lunacy. Um, <laughs> but uh, getting back, so. Other thing you can do this time of year is, right, we're getting to the sales season. So maybe it's a time to look at your trainer, which is something I'm going to be doing here soon. Um, and there's really kind of three levels that you can do as far as trainers, right? There's the uh, budget, the classic trainer, the Kirk Kinetics, a great example. And there's some that are cheaper than that. And we'll give you virtual power. Um, so that's really entry level for anyone who's maybe just starting to get into it. Not sure if they're going to keep with it or, or how serious they are. Then you can get into a mid-price setup, which you know includes your bike. Um, a classic trainer, and maybe a cheaper power meter like a Stages, right? So I think you can get a Stages power meter around 500. Is that about right? So, so you're not look. You're looking at less than a thousand if you already have a bike at that point to get up and running with power on Zwift or in your pain cave. And then of course you can go higher end, and um, you know that's going to be a smart trainer. And there's all kinds of great resources. I think everyone's heard of uh, DCRainmaker.com. He has a great annual review of all the power meters and there's going to be a lot of things coming out i think kirk kinetic has a really neat uh smart trainer coming out right now which is going to actually have um a rocking mechanism in it um, which is really cool um next thing which i've had for a long time is a front wheel block it stabilizes your front wheel uh gets you a little bit more level right if you're thinking that your your rear wheel is set up off the ground on the trainer then you want to raise your front wheel up a little bit so you're not pointing down and so you're more level 
Um, fans, right? We all need fans. I have one big fan, and that seems to work for me, but I know a lot of people have multiple fans. Uh, <laughs> Aya says she has three fans. <laughs> That's weak. I do. Except from the heat. So I find I just need one in front. I think some people get them from behind them or on the sides. Um, I, maybe I'm just not working hard enough. Tailwind, tailwind. It's all psychological. Tailwind. All right, then the uh, then we're getting into uh, what are you going to do while you're on the trainer? If you're riding Zwift, you've got to have some kind of a, a computer or an iPad. Uh, I guess you could do it on an iPhone. That sounds sort of crazy to me. Um, but you could go all the way. Yeah, I know. That would be ridiculous, right? You need your glasses like this. Um, but so in my case, I've got a I've got a computer that I actually built for Zwift. Um, and I've got like two monitors. I've got a webcam for streaming. Um, if you look around, I've got room to store books. Um, but I've really, I mean, I could do anything from watching movies to streaming to just doing Zwift uh, proper. Um, then actually, this is something that I upgraded recently. I used to just have a plant stand next to me where I would set the mouse and I would set some water or some gels or whatever. Um, I've gone upscale now. I got an old desk that we had upstairs and you can see a little bit of it, but uh, got plenty of room to put the computer, the mouse, the keyboard, uh, water, whatever else I need while I'm working out. Oh, so, about the table there too. Um, so there's also the Wahoo table, which is a famous one hmm? built for training indoors. There's actually a generic Wahoo table out there right now. So you can get that same exact lay in a design for a fraction of the price. So when we're on the topic of the uh, computer and the TV, um, you know, I went through this recently as well as I was trying to set up my new monitors was making sure they're at the proper elevation. You want to think about your position on the bike, how your head is going to sit in a normal relaxed position, where your eyes are going to be. And that's where you want your monitor. You don't want to be straining your neck looking up or have an unnatural down position. You want to try to be relaxed and just like you're going to be outdoors. Um, Next big thing, especially now as we're getting into rocking trainers, is make sure you have enough room, right? If you're in a crazy sprint at the end of a Zwift race, you don't want to be knocking things over. You don't want to be running into things. You want your knees to have plenty of, of room and, and free range so you're not hitting them. Make sure that as you're going into the season, this is more beyond just what the pain cave, but make sure that you're able to train in your drops or your arrow bars. Um, don't just get in the habit of sitting upright and forgetting that uh, when you're riding outdoors, you can be in different positions. Um, we've talked about fans, so we're making sure we're cool enough. Um, good set of headphones. Um, I've got multiple kinds of headphones I, I kind of run. I've got the old ear, earbuds from Apple, but then also I've got some Bluetooth wireless and you can take a Bluetooth dongle and put it on your computer and you can get Bluetooth from your desktop if you need be. So you can have uh, headphones and uh, don't subject your family to all the sounds of Zwift and uh, music as you're working out. On that, just make sure you get a decent pair because I've burned through a few Amazon cheapos. And I was like, oh, these are only about 20 bucks. Let me get these. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give props to one brand that I've had good success with. This thing is uh, Tautronics. Yeah. Uh, they seem to last pretty well. Um, I've gifted one to my daughter and got myself a new pair and they're all going strong. Um, anyone else have any uh, feedback on kind of a pain cave? What anything that's worked for them or that's a little different? I've yeah, barstool is my side table. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do have a, a, a couple things. I did just put a picture up of um, your setup there, Mitch, from uh, Facebook um, huh. when everything was upgraded. So um, we've got our a view of that. So that actually looks really nice uh, with the single fan. Fan choice super important. 
Um, I'll see if I can bring that up and some notes, but you can get very, very particular. So if you think about when you are indoors, some of the key things are um, ease of use that Mitch um, mentioned. That means it's easy to get to. Um, it, there's no kind of, you don't have to set things up before you get started. You don't have to do anything extra that's going to make you want to be like, no, I just don't want to be on the bike. Um, and then cooling, I think, is the two things that I would say. Yeah. So the right fan. Um, great fans, I think that's something like a 28 or um, or 30-inch fan that Mitch uses. I use that as a as a backup. Kay has got like 12 of those. She just has it like from every 10 <laughs> degrees. And then one from a, one, and then one, two from above. So it's just like, you know completely win and i think the key thing with that is when you are cooling yourself um you are getting uh that evap evaporative cooling you're not just feeling like you're uh, just getting all swamped yeah and i will add real quick i do have uh my two fans that i keep above my shoulder which are beavis and butthead uh, <laughs> so these guys are very important you can have your pets too if they're well behaved um yeah, so we'll post, uh, in, in fact, there's a discussion uh, about pain caves and setups, et cetera, on our forum. So head over there, discuss.endurancelab.fit. We'll be posting some more information there, too. Yeah, super interesting in that sense. So, yeah, so if you have a chance, I would say take the time, um, take a look and see what your setup is. And just like we upgrade from season to season, take the time to give yourself uh, something. Give yourself a gift to give yourself the allowance to get yourself something nice for the pain cave. Because if you are spending a good amount of time in there, you want it to be inviting. You want it to be able to be a place that you can find yourself spending a good amount of time. Um, because we do, as indoor uh, indoor training athletes as well. Anything and, you else? Know, applies to adults too. It's not just kids. So <laughs> right. doesn't need another video game, and you do need a new trainer. Yeah. <laughs> There's no differential in pricing there at all. No <laughs> video. No, well. Nobody asked you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you could go like you could go PS4, Xbox One versus like uh, Tax Neo, right. right? Well, it's a matter of principle, you know. So right. it's not, right. not about the price. Or you make them ride your old trainer and you know right. supplement their their video game playing while they play the games. They're on their trainer. There you go. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, we talked a little bit about recovery um, uh, last week with Taya's conversation. Um, we're going to bring a little bit of a different view from it from uh, Coach Ian here, um, and he's going to give us a little bit of breakdown of, take, of the importance of taking breaks here. So ready for it, Ian? Yeah, so we've talked about recovery a number of different times here, and recovery is great, and it's really important. However, as we roll into the end of our season, we need to get a little OFO time. And we're not going to – we'll just say that OFO <laughs> time is – taking that mental break um, and you're going to enjoy do things that you enjoy that don't necessarily revolve around uh, your primary sport. Uh, the, uh, the big thing is what you need to do, what you need to understand is if you've gone through a 12 or 18 month cycle for training for a big A race or a couple A races, your brain needs a break. Your brain needs a break from the, that constant wake up, look at my schedule, program it in, you know, have my life uh, in a, uh, completely rigid framework to meet some some goal that well it's great and I'm never going to knock it but at the end of the day unless we're professionals that goal is just something that we're doing to try and have a good time and uh, enjoy ourselves but your brain thinks of it as work so you need to have that mental break from it and there's different ways you can do that and we'll go over that in a minute the second part is you need to reconnect with your family and friends um, and make or maybe work depending on what you did so um, I know especially for people who are who are focused on long course, uh, triathlon, 
maybe some hardcore stage racing, um, could be a, a RAM type event, an endurance cycling event, or even marathon training. You tend to neglect your family and friends. You know, there's no Friday night going out because Saturday you got to get up and train. And then Sunday you got to get up and train. So there's no Saturday going out. Even <laughs> if you did, you're so trash from your workout that you're going out is like you went out at six and you're back by eight. Um, you know, because you did, or you just lie on the couch all day long. So you need to take a little bit of time to reconnect to your family and friends. Let them know you're alive. Let them know that their that relationship matters. If it does, if it doesn't, then don't reconnect with them. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, let them know that the relationship matters and that you know you're not being 100% self-absorbed. And realistically, let's let's be honest. We're taking this time to win some points so we can go back to training and be 100% self-absorbed. But yeah, yeah. You got to do that reconnection to, to maintain the ties. Um, and then you can also do social things that don't revolve around the bike, which I know is weird um and things that we don't understand that but maybe you need to go do that and, and it can be around the bike you can go do things on the bike but it's just not what you would normally be doing so instead of jumping on the bike and going for a four-hour ride maybe you take the kid and do a mountain bike uh, ride a trail ride and you go out with with your significant other your friends on the comp cruisers you know and and go out and do a, a beer run or something like that you know whatever you want to do but it's got to be fun it could be even just going for hikes through the mountains or snowshoeing if you're crazy um, mm. something like that but the point is you do something that's just different than what you've been doing it allows the, the brain to kind of shut that part off and recover and it doesn't mean you have to be sedentary on the couch it just means you have to have a little bit of different focus um, now the other way you can do this to take the mental break is changing up sports and I always encourage triathletes especially to do this um, cyclists you guys are a little bit <laughs> um, some of you guys do it but um, some yeah. don't and you can change up your sport. So for cycling, I actually, my favorite seasons I had where I, I did a cycling season in the spring, triathlon, spring through fall, and then marathon fall, fall to winter. And you go, oh, well, you're just doing the same thing and you're changing focus. Mm. Yeah, but the focus is completely different. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you can throw in different events. Now for the cyclists, you can throw in some cross or some mountain bike. Um, you can go time trial if you're a crit person. Um, you can throw in a couple of crits if you're not or if you're a triathlete. Anything like you want to do to throw just something different. The cross-country skiing, again, if you live in one of those horrible climates, um, that you can do that. It's it, And that's going to have a couple different effects on you. One, it's, again, it's that mental break and it's that switching it up. But two, you're also going to be changing energy systems that you're training. Yeah. And that's a really important thing because if you're a, if you're a, an endurance person, you, you tend, like, tend to fall into the trap of just one speed, that's what we do, and we go. Or you, you kind of use a range. Well, if you're going from endurance to cross or endurance to crit or crit to marathon or whatnot, you're going to have to improve some kind of weakness that you have. And so this is an opportunity for you to focus on a weakness while still not losing that, that fitness that you had in, in uh, what you want to do. Yeah, you can still, you can still yeah. work your cardio, cardiovascular system, right? Doing these other right. things. And you're working out the different muscles in different ways, too. Exactly. So it's just... It helps in all those respects and the mental aspect, like you said, as well. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is if you're not normally um, a person who does off-road or or a different thing, you might be able to improve some skills that you don't have. Um, you might crash a few times, but it's okay to crash the grass. Um, no, I mean, I, I've, done, I've done this a number of times, a number of years. Anytime I'm in a place where I can do this, I, I'll, I'll do it. Um, I'm getting to do some cross this fall, so I am getting to practice that. But I, in the past, I've done the switching off to marathon training or, or just different uh, cycling training just to try and mix it up. But 
it, 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 it's, a, it's a change for my fitness training, but it's also a change for the, the mental side of the house because I don't place importance on, on it, but I do place a lot of, uh, of emphasis on fun. So I don't kind of, I don't care about where I finish podium wise, but I'm going to ha- go out and have a good time. Yeah, uh, that was my question. It's about how you can change your mindset around things because a lot of athletes can't stop the self-judgment, the needing to push, the needing to win. When you have to, well, I would see that it's important to learn how to completely let go and yeah, let the fun in, let the failures in, I suppose. Yeah. And let other people win <laughs> in your family. Well, well, now let's be honest, I'm not gonna let other people win. I don't let, yeah. <laughs> It, I'm not upset if I don't win, but I'm not going <laughs> to give it up. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so those are the, those are the things. So I don't know. What have you? I know Mitch has probably done this with switching off to running. Yeah, and- yeah I mean, I, I followed the same pattern for a number of years uh, when I was actually healthy from a running perspective, where I would do triathlons. And then in the winter, I would train for a, a half marathon that was like in March um, or April, and then I would slide into the tri season again. Um, and I, you know, last couple of years I've done a crit, I've done some like pure time trials. Um, so just different things, which I think is always fun to try something new. Mm-hmm. And, and Deirdre, who was watching earlier, she's got, she actually throws in some uh, stand up paddleboard racing too. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty Beautiful. awesome because it works your core pretty well and the, mm-hmm. and the uh, arms and back. So that's just a different thing to throw out. And I mean, face it, if you live in warm weather where you can stand up paddleboard, why not? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, I've, a little bit of the um, off time I use. Um, the past couple years, I've trained for uh, short races, uh, 5Ks, pushing uh, the little yeah. guy. That's been fun um, just to kind of get yourself away. It, it takes, I don't know, for whatever reason, for me as a cyclist only, it takes a lot to get me away from the bike and like do something else. But you know what? There is something to the simplicity of just putting on shoes and going outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well, running, I mean, we'll get on a whole different subject here, but running can be extremely <laughs> addictive. Um, I had this conversation with my uh, cross-country runner yesterday, and we were talking about longer-distance runs. And, and at what point does a does the run become not painful, but just becomes kind of automatic where you're in that zone? And you mm. know what I'm talking about, where where the miles go by and you don't remember them anymore. Um, Interesting. And that's kind I, of a, that's where I, the running is fun for me. I'm at that point where I still remember every single step. Yeah, every single step, exactly. <laughs> I, I think I remember uh, Taya's uh, husband saying uh, uh, he he would never run unless he was what running away from something. <laughs> was it? He's not going to run very far. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. We got anything else there, Ian? No, that's it. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right. So we actually have a listener question. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here. It's an audio question. Um, so you can um, send us either audio or video questions. We had that last. Oh, there it is. We had that last week, so um, I want to thank um, uh, Ted Stewart actually for sending this question in. Um, he's a new writer to Endurance Lab. He is um, super excited to get started with uh, um, Ability Lab, which we'll talk a little bit about more. But uh, let me go ahead and play this audio here for the coaches and for you guys to hear. Um, and this is Ted Stewart asking his audio question. Hey, Jason, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me uh, and allowing me to ask a question. But real quick about myself, my name is Ted Stewart. I'm uh, new to cycling. I actually just started this year. Uh, and anytime I 
do anything for whatever reason i feel like i need to go all out i never tiptoe in anything i kind of just jump on in <laughs> and when i do that i get myself into situations uh, where i don't always know the answers and i kind of learn as fast as i can as quickly as i can and uh, so i got myself into a situation this past weekend i did the uh, ms uh, 100 it was 100 miles and uh, just to raise money for ms it was a great cause and as I was riding, I decided to push myself and just see how hard I could go and see how quickly I can get the, the ride accomplished. And as I was riding, I, I got myself uh, into like a peloton, right? So there's about seven or eight guys. They were all going between 20 and 22 miles an hour. And they were definitely stronger riders than me. I was observing. I started from the back. I started working my way through the peloton uh, to where... Um, I was coming up to the lead and I was trying to figure out, okay, how long are people staying in the lead? Where did they go afterwards? Just so that when I got to the front, I'd be like, okay, I know what to do. Well, I get to the front and of course the whole scenario changes. I'm not in a race. This is more just like, a, you know, a charity ride. So there's people all over the road and when I get to the front, it gets really congested. Uh, there's, there's two slow, slow riders kind of taking up one lane. And then as I'm approaching them, there's two or three uh, cyclists that start overcoming them and passing them, leaving maybe me like a half a lane if I want to take this my group of riders around them. And we were the fastest group. And so as we approached them, I decided, well, let me slow down a little bit and take it more cautious, and we can slowly go around them, <laughs> you know, dropping speed down to like 18 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, immediately... I get yelled at, really. I hear a guy behind me huffing and puffing, he gets all angry at me, and uh, and of course, I, I, I get nervous, I don't know what to do, so I, I speed up again, you know, we pass, and uh, we start we start cruising again, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get back up to 20 to 21, 22 miles an hour, uh, and I'm, I'm not the strongest rider, uh, so, you know, it takes a lot for me to get there, and before I get up to that speed again, you know, this guy, he just grunts really loud, and he passes me. And at that point, I, I you know I get kind of not I get a little frustrated because you know I am trying to do my best, but maybe I am doing something wrong. And that's where I'd love to ask and see what you guys think. Um, you know, in that situation, what I ended up doing after that point, though, just so I can finish, is you know I ended up just dropping to the back and I actually just let them go and I just rode by myself and you know maybe found a different group. So that's what I decided to do because I didn't know if I was doing something wrong. Um, and if I did, I'd love to know how to handle that situation. What are the right things, the wrong things to do when you get yourself in a situation, when you get in a peloton? Maybe I need to learn more about the etiquette when you're inside of one, watch some different videos. But uh, yeah, I'd love insight to see what you guys feel or maybe analyze that situation and know what I could do done differently and what I can learn from that. And I love criticism. So anything you guys got, I, I, I appreciate it. But anyways, thanks again. I appreciate your time. Looking forward to the, hearing the response. All right, all right. So really great question there. Um, we can get started. Um, anyone want to jump in? Yeah, he deserved to get yelled at. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. So, so for those that have spent a good amount of time um, in group rides um, and that sort of thing, what, what are what are the things that you should be thinking about in that situation, Ian? You've got a fast group coming up onto a slower group. Um, you're coming up to the front of this um smaller pack that's faster, what, what should you be thinking? What, uh, what should you be doing? Well, so if you're coming up in the front of a group, it's your responsibility to be the eyes of that group. 
So you got to be looking up the road. You can't be looking two, three meters in front of you. And, th- and this actually is when you're once you're about two to three riders off the front, you got to be looking 10, 20 meters up the road. So you got you got to see what's coming up, and and then it's your job as the front to communicate to those in the back. So if you see that you have these slower riders, you have to start making the motions to move or or alerting the riders behind you. You're going to start moving over, and it's kind of like and I know Mitch has talked about this, you know, tonnage rules. Um, and cycling speed and size rule as well. So if you're in a pack of fast riders, you're going to overtake people. Yeah. You have, well, one, it's your responsibility to overtake them safely. Two, it's your responsibility to let them know they're being overtaken. And three, it's your responsibility to not do anything stupid at the front that causes a mass change, of, of whether it's direction, uh, whether it's speed uh, from the front. Because the bigger that group is, the more that, effect from the first rider impacts those in the back so if you slow down from 22 to 18 pretty quickly that means everyone in the back is going to be slowing down but it's it's going to be delayed slow so it's going to go from 20 to 14 because they're going to have to slam on their brakes or crash into the people in front of them so at that point once you recognize that you realize you're going to be overtaking you have to make that assessment of how are we going to overtake you can yell to the people behind you you signal and you start making that move early enough that you can get around everybody safely but you can't vacillate. You got to go, and you got to you got to own it once you go. Yeah, yeah and it, it's like a semi truck. You you yeah. like a <laughs> you have all of that train behind you, and it takes a long time to make those movements. It takes have to be you have to calculate that you know the speed that you're going to go at, um, and and really move slowly and safely. It takes, uh, and then the other thing is if you're going to the front of the group and just rotating, you have to. Be looking at the speed so you maintain that speed and you're not accelerating all of a sudden you know when you're in the front you maintain that speed and you smoothly transition out well yeah well, you also go back to what we talked about last week too it's uh you know group riding etiquette and everything it all comes back down to communication which is what ian was and taylor really talking about here is that that you've got to communicate to your group you got to communicate to the other group um when you started riding with the group you might want to communicate and said hey you know what i'm kind of new feel free to give me some pointers and let people know that you know what you're not exactly 100 percent sure what you're doing all the time and i think cyclists are generally pretty good people i think some people are a little intense um, <laughs> some but but gen- generally most of them are going to take you under their wing and they're they're going to be uh, proud to like share their passion and yeah. their support with you so yeah so i think in the situation that i have riders um new to a group like this um you can rotate through um, the, the question is, is always, how long do you pull, right? And so if you are a new rider, you're new to a group, um, this through pull can be, this can, what was that? Through and off. Exactly. Come through and off. That's exactly what I tell riders. So follow the flow. You get to the front, you pull off. No one's going to get mad if you took a short pull. No one's going to, maybe someone will get mad if you took like a one or two minute pull. But everyone knows that those, those riders are just trying to show like who's got their, who's trying to have their fitness for that moment. Um, but if you're smart, you're going to take a short, reasonable pull so that you can come around and do it again. If you're new to the group, I would say head to the front, pull over to the side, let the next guy through, and just let the rotation happen. Rotation and the fluidity of the group is super important, um, and you getting used to making that move. And so the other thing I tell riders is that no one's paying you a paycheck to take a pull at the front. So if you get onto the front and you're doing like a three-minute effort, a five-minute effort, a FTP test for everybody, Really, nobody's been. <laughs> everybody is essentially benefiting from this pool, and you're going to be popped off the back. 
So essentially, um, especially when it's like, you know, Tuesday Night Worlds, you're going to see the strongest guy take the shortest pull ever in their life. And you know they're way stronger, but they're just trying to get people to come around. So if you keep this mentality in your mind where you're just trying to get to the front, take a couple cranks, pull over until someone like is trying to come across you're like, oh, you want to go? Oh, sure. Go ahead. And you're just back in the draft. Yeah, that's exactly what you want to get. And, and, and you know what? In every group ride, there are the riders who love to pull. Yes, yes. They're strong. They want to show off. Whatever the reason is, they want to work that day. There's plenty of dose. So they'll be happy. You know, they'll be happy that you just want to rotate through. Just let them know ahead of time. Just say, you know what? I'm going to take a 30-second pull, and I'm going to safely rotate off. So it's not like you just got to the front and you got out. You just spend a couple seconds there, 30 seconds yeah. to a minute, and then you rotate off. Keep the speed that mm-hmm. we're that you're in when you're in the second place. And um, the other thing is don't get behind the fastest or the strongest rider either. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you are not that strong, <laughs> don't get behind that person because once that person is doing a 10-minute pull at however many watts and you're the second wheel, that's gonna <laughs> cost you so much energy. You're gonna get you're gonna get smoked. So yeah. uh, find yeah, find a safe rider to be behind, but not this some of the strongest ones. It, it does take some finesse to let other people come through um, and rotate. Usually this happens towards the back where you ask somebody to jump in front of you so you can change the rotation. But it's just these small little things that you learn. One thing, talking about speed, um, a lot of times we talk about wattage, we talk about targets, things like that. But when in the dynamics here of a Peloton, you got to look actually at your miles per hour. I think it's important um, because so many times you'll see people looking at their stem and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to do an interval at my one minute power. So I'm at 375 and everybody's like, whoa, we're like slowing down because you're at the front of the group or they're way overpowered. So maybe the speed is because of the dynamics of the group. It might be a little bit lower than all of a sudden someone goes up into their zone when they get to the front and everyone is just like, you know, their 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 lungs are at the bottom of their, you know, the bottom of their kits because you're trying to keep up with somebody doing trying to do an interval. So don't do an interval off the front. Respect the speed. Look at the speed. A great question. Was there anything else we wanted to add? Andrea, any uh, just, group? <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, <laughs> to uh, Taya's comment about picking the slower rider right behind. That's why I rode behind Andy Jenner a lot when I was in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, I heard, I heard, I heard riders, we do, ha- we do have a rider that's known for uh, making sure they're always in the draft. I think Eric Denning got the award um, at Team Camp oh, yeah. for, for the most, if there was, if there was in fact a game where you can get points for drafting, Eric Denning would be the winner of that, from what I understand. So. There was so much grief over that one. Oh my God. What do you say, Ian? It's the opposite of the aggressive rider award. Yeah. yeah. Eric is very good at that. Very good at that. So Andrea, Andrea, so uh, group riding in, uh, in Ireland. Oh, I, I'm, I'm terrified by it, to be honest. Um, I'm learning from all of the options here, but I, I just am like hyper aware. So I'm like, what if there's a pothole? What if there's cars? What if I'm an idiot? And uh, honestly, I'd nearly rather like cycle twice as hard, like 10 feet behind everyone. <laughs> think. Yeah. And maybe it's just a practice thing. Um, yes. I, I train alone. I just... There's too much going on in our roads for me to trust. It would need to be summer and a well-swept road. Um, and I'm probably a bit nervous and people will pick up on that and then I'm picking up on them. So practice, I suppose. Yeah. So, uh, I'll say something about potholes real quick. Um, so unless it is a crater, the deluxe is like, like it's a crater or you know something <laughs> that your inside. bike is not, yeah, something that you know your, your wheel's not gonna get out of. Yeah. You don't need to be deviating from every single bump 
and hole on the road. You know, sometimes it's safer to just go through it. Just go through it. You know, your bike will survive, your wheel will survive. And if you have that big group behind you, if you keep doing this, right, you're going zigzagging and you're all of a sudden, hole, this and that, go this way, <laughs> go that way. Just some of the stuff, just get through it. Just just ride right ride over uh, yeah. We were in, we were training in <laughs> South Africa, um, must have been two years ago. They have an amazing place for training called the Cradle outside of Johannesburg, but they have massive hills. And I'm like, you know, blue knuckles on my way down this <laughs> hill. And a group came past me, like in perfect formation, wheel on wheel. And I, they must be doing over 60K an hour. And I'm like, wow. I don't know how. I don't know how. I would just be riding my wheel in the middle of that group. <laughs> well, there's a couple things. Yeah. yeah. How comfortable are you with your group? So if you guys yeah. all know each other and you ride exactly. all the time, you start understanding how the people ride. So, yeah. but new to this, I recommend you get with a group that has a couple of experienced riders who lead it, and then more newer people, and you can stay a little bit further away. Mm -hmm. it, that's that's acceptable to to stay yeah. wheel off. Yeah, you don't need to be six inches and, yeah. and and right here. You can you can be right here. Just you need to be in the draft. So a couple of meters off is fine. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I found for most new people, they fixate on the cassette in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of looking up the road through it, because your peripheral will, peripheral will tell you what's going on right in front of you, but you need to be watching what's what's up the road in front of you, yeah. and that will help you with the the potholes, the random dogs that come out, road yeah. signs. You know. Right. What so, <laughs> so so that reminds me of a story. Is is a. Is when you get so you you want to get with that group of riders and sometimes you'll get with a group of riders that you all really know but you're all Zwifters and then <laughs> no one knows how to, no one knows how to draft because everyone thinks they could ride straight through each other. <laughs> well, when we were in Arizona, I kept waiting for like the little sign to pop up ahead of me that said like you know three meters, two meters, one meters, and then it said sign. <laughs> Don't it. Oops. What's the sound? Excellent, excellent. All right, so really great conversation. Great question, Ted. I hope that helped. If it didn't, let us know. Uh, we'll get your money back. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, excellent, excellent. All right, we're going to shift swift gear, uh, shift gears here, um, and we're going to get a little nerdy on you. I'm going to bring a little bit of my day work into my early morning work here, and we're going to talk a little bit about lens tints that you can use um, on your sunglasses or lenses. Come on, Jason. Let me get yeah. ready for this. Let's <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to sleep. Ian's gonna go to sleep. Don't worry, I'll make it lively. Um, let's see. So we're gonna talk about lens tints and how they can help you see. So I'm gonna start off with um, a quick round of with the coaches. Uh, we'll start with Tay up there. Tell me what's your go-to lens and what color tint do you feel that it is? I actually should have had everybody bring them, huh? Yeah, I should have. Yeah, I'll um, go get mine. So I, I have Rudy's. And uh, I have the uh, race type lens, so it's kind of red, um, and it's mirrored. Um, that's it, you know. And I switch lens, um, but that's that's my go-to. So it's you said it's red mirror, or it's also red tinted. It's not red tinted. Mm -hmm. um, but it's mirrored, and Got it. um, yeah. Okay. Cool. I do have a red tinted that I switched with those lens. Nice. When it is cloudy outside and I don't need the actual, you know, tint, so I get it's it's all it's it's not completely clear in terms of white, like you mm -hmm. would see transparent. 
it's got a little red to it, uh, yeah. but as I see it, you know, it's, it works really well when I leave the house at five in the morning and it's dark and I come back and it's, you know, seven and it's cloudy. Yeah, we'll round back to that um, for that color. Andrea's got a really interesting pair. I really should have her go get it and have her put it on. That would be really interesting if it's close by. I can if you let other people okay. get away. Okay, sounds good. Mitch. All right, we'll get it. All right, All right. Okay. so Mitch. All right, so I've got a pair of... of I'm getting I'm feedback getting here from somebody. Here from somebody. It's probably Andrea's uh, headphones. headphones. All right, so I've got a pair of uh, native brand sunglasses from REI, um, and they've got two lenses. They've got black and they've got like that yellow. Um, and I actually, uh, you know, I, I probably need a dedicated pair of like cycling um, or more sport sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, but I can be, uh, I can be frugal at times and I can be incredibly non-frugal at times. And this is just an area where I've decided to cheap out and I probably shouldn't because I think your eyes are really important. Uh, thank you, Mitch. Straight to my heart. <laughs> All right. It looks like Ian went to go get his sunglasses, but I'll go ahead and go through mine. So I've got um, an Oakley uh, Jawbreaker here. It actually has a little bit of a red tint. Let me see if I can get it on here. A little bit of a haze, a red tint with a mirror. I've got my clear pair because I ride outside at 4 a.m. These are actually, um, they actually change colors and put a little bit of a tint to the lens. I've got my everyday road pair, which is kind of more of a gray lens um, technology here. And then, uh, oh, I think that's pretty much rounding it. These are my last season. Um, and then these are gray with mirror. So these are just a solid everyday gray pair. And here comes Ian. Ian's got his couple <laughs> pairs. So, um, what have you got? What have you got there, Ian? All right. So I have a pair of uh, Rudy Projects with the uh, the photochromatic lens. So they change. These are what I actually commute commute mostly in. So I can have them on in the morning when it's dark or in the evening if I'm coming home late, and the you know it'll change. Or if I'm need them during the day. Part of that's because I like to always have something a windscreen over my eyes, prevent dry eyes or bugs or whatnot. Or and rocks going in your eye? I mean, I'm okay with rocks in my eyes. I just don't want yeah, he's, he's an army guy. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I had to do my risk assessment for the army, and that's, you know, eye protection, eye pro. And then most of the time when I race, I use my my Roka, ODZ colored Roka glasses. Nice. And these are a, a uh, smoke, yeah, smoke polarized lenses. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Andre, are you ready? Yeah, I think we have the same onesie in, just for general. I have the Rudy and the photochromatic. Nice. Um, I find them fantastic for running with and very comfortable. A little long. I have a very small face, and I'm a, just super sensitive ev to everything. I find they sometimes will stick into the back of my head a little bit much and create headaches if I have them on for too long. So I'm trying to find a solution on that. But the ones, I have very sensitive eyes, and I'm a contact lens wearer. And when you're in an narrow position, a lot of the time, the wind is coming over the lens and sort of on the side and hitting my contacts. I'm not blinking enough. And by the end of my 90K, I'm kind of trying to get my lens to unstick. So these are a pair. Um, 7i make them. And they're actually motorcycle sunglasses. They're photochromatic as well. They have kind of a cushioning behind. So they sit totally, oh, to the end off, they sit totally snug. Uh, against my face. They're a little bit big because I have a very small face. Um, I look a bit like Toad from Toad Hall. <laughs> um, I like it. Love it. But they, but they, 
They have a super clear lens. They weren't expensive. They block the wind very effectively. The only time I've run into issues with them is in a lot of rain and they may start to fog up, um, which they're not meant to. They do have vents, but I found in very, very harsh conditions, they can, I suppose that would be the same with any lens. We're all having to take them off and just face, face the rain. Um, but I, but I'm always looking for, for more options. I don't, I can't run with these, so I need to have two pair, one pair of glasses in transition one and one pair of glasses in transition two. Yeah. So for contact lens wear is huge thing um, with wind. Um, looks like Ian's going to be pulling off uh, some fun toys. But while he does that, let me show you kind of the technology that um, Oakley has. If you notice that the lens actually is much taller from um, your standard lens, it's actually goes pretty, pretty high above my brow. And what it allows yes. you to do is, um, to when you um, when you are in the aero position with your helmet on, it actually closes the gap between the top of your helmet and your sunglasses, so it actually allows air to pass um, pass over that front surface. One also one thing this also does is let me turn this around. Is there's um, I know it's becoming a commercial for Oakley. My reps would be very happy. Um, so uh, there <laughs> sponsor, is an, there is there is sponsor, advanced yes. advanced technology which um, if you watch the nose pad here closely, um, I will click this and you'll see the nose pads tilt. Um, and then you could also actually, it'll tilt back. And so when I'm wearing them, um, and let's say I'm climbing, I could actually use this with my index finger here. I can push down and pull up on the lens, and it'll actually pull the lenses away from my face a bit and allow some wind to um, allow the lens not to fog. And then when I'm coming, let's say, downhill, I'd push here, and it is sucked up against my face, and it's nice and aero with my helmet. So it's actually, of course, designed to work really well with the ARO line of Oakley helmets um, that have uh, the aero... Um, the arrow lip that um, allows for the wind to go in. It also allows um, holes that fit the Oakley glasses right into the helmet. So something to think about. So what does Ian do to make sure that wind doesn't get in your eye during the bike? <laughs> Look at so Andrea. I have, I have, it's got a visor. <laughs> Opens up. <laughs> I love it. It's like there that. you go. And the good thing is well, you can practice holding your head up by just getting in a plank. See, that's it. only if you're a triathlete. <laughs> <laughs> you can just sit in the plank and hold your head up. I love like it. This. You, have love to, it. you have to be a triathlete to wear that. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. Mitch have, Mitch has one of these, right? Um, Mitch is a triathlete, right? <laughs> hold on. All right. Well, well, let's, let's start talking about, while he looks, while he looks, what, let's talk a little about the colors and the tints. I'm going to start with um, the color gray. And so this is a really standard color. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull up something um, for our viewers that's going to help them give it an idea. And this is from the Oakley website. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the benefits of the gray color. So it's good for general purpose use, anti-fatigue, um, true color perception. This is a, this is going to be important as we look at the other colors here. Um, but they are dark enough to provide overall protection by reducing glare, um, especially off water. So uh, sports, it's good for kind of all around. Driving, baseball, this is kind of your standard lens. And as I move the slider over here, you'll, sh you'll see kind of full sun. <laughs> and then you'll see this slide over. Oh man, I have to come back to Mitch here in a second. And then this is the full tint. You notice that the color still looked um, the right color and that sort of thing. Um, so that looks great. So let me switch back. Looks like Mitch is ready here. Um, yeah. Looks, here we go. So so this is, I mean, we're getting way off uh, track here, but uh, <laughs> this was my um, halfway solution trying to solve two problems uh, ineffectively. Uh, so Jiro has this... Uh, aero helmet that's uh, more of a regular helmet but then also has an aero shield which depending on on what study you read either is less aero or more aero uh, right. for the uh, sunglasses here um, 
but uh, effective helmet, uh, a little cheaper than a uh, full arrow uh, kind of solution like uh, Ian had yeah. there. Yeah, so you'll see you'll see some uh, crit racers and um, some people that do kind of a multi type of uh, riding and racing. They like that. Um, we do kind of chuckle when riders show up to group rides with the visor on, um, but I guess when it's game time, it's game time. <laughs> yeah, so so that's why we went to, uh, we went to this one last year which is you know we've got the uh, odz colors yes, here a little bit like of orange that. and uh, yes. and That's actually nice. uh I, I got this on deep discount and uh, i think andy jenner actually got one as well i picked it up for him so very nice you wore it thoroughly before you gave it to andy i hope i did all kinds of things to it yeah there you go there you go gonna, all right we're gonna have to do a coach's corner in our most crazy arrow gear <laughs> There you go. All right, so let's let's uh, slide over to Brown. And um, so what Brown does is it helps you improve um, contrast. It does contain a red element, which actually enhances your depth perception. So these are good for things like golf, tennis, um, fishing, and things like that. Sports where distance needs to be judged. So nice brown is actually really nice. So I've got um, for our viewers, unfortunately not for our coaches, but for our viewers, I have. Um, a sample of this lens tint um, where you're looking at a trail um, and with the orange tint um, it does allow you a little bit better depth perception kind of what's in front of you and that sort of thing so super nice to have um, super nice to have there um, in that in that respect in that sample on the right Jason uh, yes I have a question about the colors because sure you know the way color effects are mood I always find when I have the brown tinted lenses maybe it's because Ireland's kind of gray and cloudy that I just feel better sometimes the gray mm -hmm. tinted lens just I don't know feels dark and gray right. and yep. affects me and I, I don't know yeah. if if there's been studies done on that in, in athletes and mood and color tinted lenses and different things like that as well yeah so if you think about the color um, that reaches our eyes uh, the study comes or the the technology comes from the amount of light so the more blue light there is the more that it stimulates kind of that afternoon bright light so the more blue or kind of more natural light it is, it'll stimulate kind of that happy place, that happy feeling. As you get on to more orange tinted, amber tinted, brown tinted, it can sort of kind of dull that color. Um, or even the grays, of course, they will all dull color, uh, meaning it'll be less blue, it'll be more dark. And so you'll get the senses of kind of more dreary and it can, can, it can simulate kind of more quiet time. So you going into kind of like the more biohacking space, um, a lot of people have kind of implemented the use of an orange tinted lens to kind of block out those blue lights at the end of the day to help kind of stimulate melatonin release and kind of get, um, kind of turn the body off. Ian probably has a pair of those too. <laughs> He's talked about those in the past. Um, and so on that, on that tip, as we change um, the color that we get sensed throughout the day, it can change kind of how you're feeling and mood. So that's not something that is just in your mind. That's that's in the science of it all. And the more, let's say, blue light you have throughout a day, the more stimulated are as you are. A lot of times, I will recommend to our younger patients or to their parents to make sure that um, their kids are getting off their devices um, a couple hours before they sleep because it will affect their sleep at night because of the blue light, um, uh, the blue light exposure. Um, luckily, a lot of our devices, a lot of eye devices and Android even now um, are able to switch into either night lock or kind of um, night mode, which allow a little bit more of an orange color. And that's super, super helpful. And that comes into this brown and amber getting to us closer, uh, getting the blue out and closer to that more kind of incandescent color. Does that help, Andrea? Yeah. 
Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. All right. So um, I think uh, there uh, was someone. Did someone have a yellow tinted lens? Um, you've probably seen that out. I don't think any of us. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, two uh, lenses yeah. for my sunglasses. One's yellow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so lenses are great. Yellow lenses are great for like early morning. It's good for clarity of fog and haze and other low light conditions. Um, it allows you that protection, but it actually brightens up the color. So it, this works when it's not completely dark, like 4 a.m., like it is outside right now. Um, so when there's a little bit of light, it helps brighten up that. And so these are good things with low light or kind of changing contrasting. So like uh, mountain biking, let's say, hunting, um, tennis in low light. Um, target shooting, but it does um, cause some color distortion, so you just have to be careful um, with that. But otherwise, it's great for kind of an early morning um, colored lens. So that may be a better choice um, in the morning if you have that option. Uh, um, is in comparison, um, Taya mentioned that there's a red lens that she uses and most likely uses the red lens because it's a lighter tint. But in fact, the red colored tint is actually good for a full sun day, full sunny day because it, it actually enhances your um, visual depth and, eye, and reduces eye strain, but also prov provides enhanced road visibility specifically with the red, comforting the eyes where um, your eyes don't feel as strained because a lot of times patients will come in and say, I want the darkest tinted lens that you can. But in fact, you just want to break down the colored lights that they are exposed most to to make their eyes feel more comfortable. So this red and pink lens um, is mostly used for cyclists and racing, in fact, um, even track ra racing on the track. So you'll see this technology. So you just need to um, kind of realize that. Let me bring the sample up for our viewers. Um, it's under cycling uh, black. And so this is a really great lens that you can use for contours and things like that. Um, but on the road, you'll see this kind of um, in the prism technology from all the Oakley line frames. So that's something to kind of look into for that red lens. Um, the other one was blue. Um, it's more of a fashionable thing. Um, it's hopefully going to go out of fashion, but they're essentially more cosmetic appealing. It reduces some glare, but it's really low on the on the on the light because blue light is something that is not that we're looking for, not a lot of what we're looking for. Um, mostly used in kind of a spectator sports as well as golf. Um, let's see, did I cover green? Um, green is kind of an overall color. You see this a lot in your Ray-Ban um, colors. It's called a G15. That's a standard lens for Ray-Ban, um, kind of across the board if it doesn't have any prescription. It's, it's a good in-between uh, brown and gray lens. And so with this green lens, it transmits all colors evenly. It's good for general purpose. Um, use and it dims and glares, um, dims glare while and also brightens things in the shadow. So just all around great lens. So I hope that helps. If you have any questions about it, kind of our go-to cycling lenses will probably be somewhere between your brown and amber for most, um, and then uh, pink for kind of uh, more uh, more advanced um, as far as racings are concerned. And then um, in the evening, uh, your clear pair is always key. Oh, I have them in my hand. And this is becoming really popular, polychromatic, um, where essentially that means it changes color uh, a couple terms. So it goes from clear to a little bit of a tint um, so that when the sun does come out, it's not um, kind of blazing. The second thing that I want before we go is talk about polarization. And essentially that's um, a film that's put in between the lens that reduces glare. So it will, in a certain angle, which it, for us is in the 180 degrees, it will reduce glare, meaning uh, kind of the shine off of cars, off of um, the road, that sort of thing, and it'll give you definitely sharper vision. So polarization is key. Um, every lens should come in with UV protection, and then you can choose your tint um, out of all that. Is there any questions there from the coaches that we want to um, kind of go over, or we, are we good? Yes. yes Do you generally ahead. get what you pay for? 
You do, you do. Um, most lenses you'll get um, kind of even over the counter at like um, like a mall store. They can't be released without UV coating, but you have to look out for it. I definitely recommend you go with the name brand. The other thing that you want to look for is um, optics. And what that is, is how clear the actual lens is. Um, in the world of cycling and running, the brands that you've heard today, um, Rudy Project is great. Um, Oakley's great. Um, I didn't hear what brand do you wear, Taya? Uh, oh, so same thing. So yeah. they're really well known. And because if you notice, the lenses are so large, are quite large, it's really tough to get the optics right. So if you're buying this sort of lens um, that are just from some one-off manufacturer, what you'll find is that there will be distortion on the edges of the lens. And that's what you don't want when you've got your head down and trying to look up um, onto the side and trying to be able to see. So yes, you do get what you pay for. Oh, and, and another question is, are we damaging the lenses when we try and clean them? And is it just the super gentlest cloth possible? Because our lenses get destroyed when we're out cycling with mud and dead flies and different Absolutely. things, roadkill. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the simplest way to do it is um, simple mild soap with water um, to get the big pieces off and an easy terry cloth or a lens cloth, something soft is fine. Most lenses have scratch resistant coatings on them that unless you drop them on sharp objects like rocks, um, you know, falling off of bikes uh, during a cyclocross or something like that, um, that could damage, that could damage the or glasses. Or if your dog gets a hold of them. There you go, <laughs> sharp objects. Really great questions though. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. All right, all right. So thanks. Um, really good questions today. Thanks for Ted Stewart um, bringing in the audio question. If you have a question that you would like to ask the coaches, um, definitely reach out to us. Um, we'd love to hear it. Um, and uh, if you have a question from the forum, we um, would love to bring it in here if you don't want to do the audio or video thing. Um, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Right now, we um, don't have an active um, lab in the week, but we do have one that's coming up. But before we talk about that, I know we have a lab rat of the week. Um, did we want to talk about that? Um, who put that in the notes yeah. this week? Yeah, that, that was me. So I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Stéphane Lefebvre from um, Quebec. Uh, Montreal City. Uh, he's actually oh, down in Cozumel. Yeah, for... City. He's from outside of Quebec City. What's wrong with you? <laughs> hey, anyhow. So, uh, no, he's down in Cozumel. Uh, he competed over the weekend in the uh, Ironman 70.3 down there and uh, had a great race. Um, so he's had a great season. He dialed back his run a bit because I think he had some uh, lower body issues. Um, but he kept uh, training. He had a great swim. He had a really awesome bike. And then uh, he, I think, gutted out the run and had a great time, uh, less than six hours. So uh, great job to Stefan. Hope he's enjoying Cozumel. That's awesome. Um, all right, so uh, shifting gears to, oh, um, on the horizon, we're going to quickly pass it on to Taya and then to um, Ian. We're going to talk about the Ability Lab and the Transition Lab, So, um, and then we'll wrap this up. So Taya, what have we got um, on the horizon here? Yeah, next couple of days here, we're going to be starting our Ability Lab. So this is designed to maintain uh, the fitness that athletes have built up until this point in the season. So it's, it's not going to be doing a huge push for preparing you for your eight, event so this is after when after that happens and before you transition into uh the off-season training so you continue to advance your skills that translate into faster and more efficient riding so all of all athletes of all levels can benefit from this lab uh, whether you're going to be participating in cyclocross gravel or similar events or just enjoying your group rides outside uh keeping in mind all the tips that we covered today Absolutely. Racing indoors in Zwift, if you just graduated from Zwift Academy and is looking to advance your training and continue to build upon what you uh, what you have been doing for the last couple of weeks, 
or you're preparing for the spring season. So um, take a look at the uh, uh, Ability Lab on endurancelab.fit. There's uh, more information there. You can see a sample workout video. You can look at our forum. And um, if you have any questions, just reach out to any of us. And Ian, what, what, what have you had in the works for those that are not um, trying to peak um, the, the rest of their season, but just trying to transition between now and when their next season starts? Yeah, so actually what we, we came with a, a, another a lab for people who are maybe just getting into it, uh, getting into cycling or coming off of injury. Um, we want to get a level of fitness back in before getting into real training. Because what we've noticed is all of our all, all of the plans out there, for, for the most part, have a, a basic concept of a basic level of, of fitness going in. But if you don't have the basic core and you don't have the basic um, – Fit, uh, cycling fitness, you're going to struggle at any of the, the labs early, and there's a possibility of injuring yourself. So, we created a four a four week preparatory lab, really what it is, where it's good for someone who's coming off injury, coming back into it, or someone who's just completely new to training on, on a bike. And so, the focus of it is is there's two to three, depending on what week we're in, um, basic core workouts of 10 to 15 minutes, and then we have we start off with just some easy riding that we do it based on our perceived effort and then we go into power-based training off of that and the concept is just to get on the bike get comfortable with it not to worry about your numbers because they're not going to be anywhere what you think they should be because we all think we should be riding pro tour numbers and <laughs> ridden before and we get on we realize oh i'm pushing 1.8 watts a kilo why am i not doing 650 watts um, so the idea is get on get comfortable Learn how your body feels at different levels of pushing. You'll see the numbers, and you'll start to understand what the different levels mean to you, to your body. And then we'll get into those power numbers where we want you to try and hold specific numbers. And, and, all, and honestly, all the workouts are not extremely difficult. Some of them will be challenging for very new riders. Um, some of them will be very challenging for people who have never done any kind of core work. But they're all built with modification and some capacity to downgrade the effort if you need to based on coming back from your injury or, or just being brand new to it. So that's all we're, all we're focused on with this four weeks. And at the end of this four weeks, you'll be at a point where you can jump into some of the base training, get started prepper, preparing Perfect. for the winter and into the spring. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. All right. All right. That brings us to um, wrapping up. I want to respect our listeners' time as well as our coaches. Um, so thank you for that. I want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by the coaches of the Endurance Lab, where you can train smart and get results, and that our labs are specifically designed, as you've heard, to achieve your structured training goals with a group of cyclists and triathletes working towards the same goal. And so I want to thank everybody again for joining us today here in the Coach's Corner. And if it's your first time listening and would like to hear more content from the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app, search the Endurance Lab, or head over to YouTube and do the same. And don't forget to click subscribe. For more information on when the next lab is, you've got a lot of choices. Head over to endurancelab.fit where you can learn and you can join us to train smart and get results. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. All right, audio.